We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. Thank you very much, Jay, and what a blessed day to come together to be encouraged from a study of the Word of God. Dear listeners, let us have the zeal of the psalmist who said in Psalm 119, 138, Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. What a great assurance of the testimonies of God, the Holy Bible. Indeed, the testimonies of God are righteous and faithful, and when we abide within them, and be in obedience to them, we in turn will be righteous and faithful as God desires. Let's look at those testimonies of God in a moment. But first, we always like to pause early in our broadcast and share with you some contact information. Our toll-free number here at Are You Listening? through the International Gospel Hour is 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-IGH-6988. You can call us toll-free, leave a message and call us and say, I've been listening to you on and tell us the station and where the station is located. We would love to hear from our listeners. We'd love to know where you're hearing our broadcast. We also uh, let us know if you have a request. Maybe you have a Bible question you would like discussed or you'd like to request some free study material. Just call us and leave your name and address and let us know the information you would prefer. If you'd like a free Bible course, just say, send me the Bible course. That's all you need to do. And you just might get a live voice when you call. We have that number available 24-7. That's 1-855-IGH-6988. 1-855-IGH-6988. And we look forward to hearing from you. In previous broadcast, we have discussed the subject, Something is Wrong, But the Bible is Right. Let's think about that for a moment. We have noted that, you know, it is clear when one looks around the religious world today, something is wrong. When two different answers are given for the same mathematical problem, it is evident one or the other is wrong. Both four and five cannot be correct answers to the problem of two plus two. It is inconceivable both may be wrong, but one must be wrong. That same reasoning indicates something is wrong in the religious world when there are so many contradictory answers to questions which address the welfare of the soul. In a release by the way 21stCentury.wordpress.com in 2012, it was recognized that there were 40,000 quote-unquote Christian church denominations in the world. Now, folks, think about this. Among those 40,000 denominations, different answers are given to the same question, flatly contradicting one another. Many ignore that, believing it makes no difference what one recognizes as truth as long as it is believed in sincerity. However, no one will accept such reasoning in any other field. So is religion less important? Is it reasonable to believe a falsehood more than truth? We beg people everywhere to reason through such questions. Still, others who have received differing answers to the same questions have simply given up on ever knowing the truth of what the Bible teaches. 
However, because of God's providence, the answers to all religious questions have been preserved for humanity, and those answers are found in the Bible, the testimonies of God. And you know, dear friends, we are blessed in days of such confusion to have the Bible. The world is truly fortunate because people do not have to rely on others when it comes to finding the answers to their religious questions. We can rely on the Bible for those answers, and the Bible is always right. The Bible is always right because it is the Word of God, as we note from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. The Bible is always right because God's Word is truth, John 17, 17. And not only does the Bible give the right answers, it answers all the questions that one needs to ask. The Apostle Paul confirmed from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The great need today is for more people to take their Bibles in hand and let God give them the right answers. With that being said, let us continue our thoughts today about something is wrong, but the Bible is right. We have noted in previous broadcasts how the Bible is right about the question of salvation and how the Bible is right about the church. And now, let's consider the Bible is right about the requirements of the Christian life. When one obeys the gospel, he or she gains the forgiveness of sins and becomes a member of the church of Christ. Then what? Most of the religious world teach the once-saved-always-saved doctrine, meaning it is impossible for a child of God to fall from grace, if you will, no matter what the sin or sins committed. This is a tenet of Calvinism known as the perseverance of the saints, or the doctrine of the impossibility of apostasy. If that were true, would there be any need to stress the necessity of right living? The answer, of course, is no. But is that a true teaching found in the Bible? Number one, the Bible warns against falling. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. God had a purpose for putting those words in the Bible, and if it were impossible for a child of God to fall, those would be meaningless, useless, and deceptive words. The very time when the Christian is most likely to fall is when he thinks he stands apart from God. The Apostle Paul understood the danger of losing one's salvation, and he recognized the possibility of falling from grace. He said, But I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 9.27 How is it Paul thought he could fall, but some think they cannot. Number two, the Bible tells of some who did fall. Jesus warned the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Paul wrote in Galatians 5 and verse 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. And he told Timothy, Some are already turned aside after Satan, from 1 Timothy 5 verse 15. How could there have been a danger for whole congregations and individuals to fall from grace 
yet that danger is no longer present? The Bible describes, or shall we say, thirdly, the Bible describes the terrible state of the fallen. Peter warned his readers from Second Peter 2, beginning with verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, Second Peter 2, 20 and 21. Would God warn about and describe a state that is impossible to enter? These scriptures affirm a Christian can sin in such a way that he or she can be lost. The Church of Christ upholds and supports the truths of the Bible on this and all other matters of faith. The Bible does not teach eternal salvation regardless of how one lives. There is no doctrine so deceptive and detrimental as the one that teaches a person can return to a life of sin and not be lost. That doctrine had its origin in the Garden of Eden when the serpent said, You shall not surely die. Genesis 3 and verse 4. Before we continue, dear friend, have we gained your interest concerning the things said today? or on a previous broadcast concerning something is wrong, but the Bible is right. Would you like to know more about these matters we have been discussing? We'd like to send you absolutely free a complete script of this broadcast. We will send it in simple tract form, and it is titled, Something is Wrong, But the Bible is Right. All you need to do is call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-444-6988, and leave us your name and address and say, please send me the tract. That's it. Again, 1-855-444-6988, and leave us your name and address, and again, just simply say, please send me the tract. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, and there, leave us your name and address and simply put in the comments blank, Mail me the tract. We'll be more than happy to send this to you absolutely free. And a quick note, everything that we offer here on Are You Listening and through the International Gospel Hour is absolutely free to our listeners. It is our pleasure, and may we all grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, back to our study. What must a Christian do to remain saved? Let's think about this. The Bible teaches the Christian can become lost, but it also teaches what one must do to remain saved. The New Testament is divided into four sections, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the history of the early church, Acts, the letters, Romans through Jude, and finally, the Revelation. It is important to understand all the books of the New Testament following Acts were letters written to congregations or individual Christians teaching them how to maintain their salvation. We cannot consider all in this brief work and broadcast, but we can consider a few outstanding things a Christian must do. Number 1. Be a Christian only. It is important for the church to glorify and honor Christ by wearing His name. Likewise, it is important for the individual to wear the name of Christ, and that God-given name is Christian. Luke recorded in Acts 11.26 the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch, and that is the name whereby we glorify God. 
Peter admonished his readers in 1 Peter 4.16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Therefore, Christian is the name God's people wear, and they will never wear another name which would distinguish them from the rest of God's children. Division is a grievous sin in the sight of God, and Paul condemned it as a work of the flesh in Galatians 5.19 and 20. And he added in verse 21, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul rebuked the church in Corinth, telling them, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 3. There is no greater contributor to division than the wearing of names which are not found in the New Testament. The denominational world is full of such examples, such as Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, and the list continues, each one serving to emphasize the differences existing between them and the rest of the religious world, each name declaring, I am different from you, and causing division among people. The division that existed among the Christians in the church at Corinth had its roots in wearing party names, saying in 1 Corinthians 1.12, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Paul condemned those divisive names by asking three self-answering questions. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Follow the logic. If Christ is divided, then wear your different name. If Paul were crucified for you, then wear the name of Paul. If you were baptized in the name of Paul, then it is right to wear that name. However, the truth is clear. Christ is not divided. Christians are baptized in the name of Christ, therefore wear his name alone. That is one of the things a Christian must do if he or she is going to maintain the salvation provided through Christ Jesus. The church of Christ condemns division, because the Bible condemns it, and we plead with people to become Christians and Christians only. Anything else will lead to a Christian losing the salvation he or she gained. Number two, be a fruitful Christian. The necessity of bearing fruit for Christ is made clear in the words of our Lord in John fifteen two, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. Jesus warned later in verse 6 of same chapter, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This clearly demonstrates the unfruitful Christian will be lost. But Peter said, being fruitful and assuring, one's salvation can be realized with the addition of the Christian graces. Starting with Second Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, that's from Second Peter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. However, 
If the Christian does not add these characteristics to his or her life, he or she will be barren and unfruitful, causing himself to be lost. Number three, be a cautious Christian. The Christian must be constantly aware of the dangers that threaten the soul and always be watching after himself. Paul exhorted Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. Always remembering Paul's warning, Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10.12 The person who believes he or she cannot fall has been deceived. Galatians 6.3 says, For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into condemnation. James 5, verse 12. Yes, dear friends, the Christian needs to be cautious. He needs to watch others. Paul warned in Colossians 2, 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Peter warned his readers, There shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. The truth is, there are those in the world who would make merchandise of the souls of people. There are also those who would wrest the Scriptures, twisting and perverting them, bringing damnation to those who believe their false direction. This is the very reason Peter warned in Second Peter 3.17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Number 4. Be a faithful Christian. Jesus comforted those during the persecution in Revelation 2.10 when he said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life, making it possible for once faithful Christians to become unfaithful like those in Ephesus did, Revelation 2.4 and 5. God expects every Christian to be faithful in the discharge of all duties, wherever he or she may be. Faithful Christians will not be guilty of forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 10, 25 and 26. So, dear friends, what must a Christian do to remain saved? Well, number one, be a Christian only not holding to denominational names or divisive creeds. Number two, be a fruitful Christian, to bear fruit teaching others the gospel and growing individually. Number three, be a cautious Christian. Be aware not to turn back into the world, nor to follow false teachers that would lead one away. And number four, be a faithful Christian, faithful unto death as the Scriptures instruct. What a beautiful thought. And now, let's ask this question. Are there provisions for the fallen Christian? God in His mercy has provided a second law of pardon for the erring Christian, and it is illustrated in the account of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. When Simon heard Philip preach the gospel, verse 13 says he believed and was baptized. 
when he did that, he obeyed the gospel of Christ because Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But after having been saved from his past sins, Simon fell from the grace of God when he tried to purchase the power of the apostles with money. Acts 8, 18 and 19. Peter ably described the condition of the erring, but he also made clear the way in which they can be forgiven. Peter told Simon in Acts 8, beginning with verse 20, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon, and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. Dear friends, the unfaithful Christian must repent. The Lord rebuked and encouraged the Christians in Ephesus, saying, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The erring Christian must pray for forgiveness. Peter told Simon to repent and pray, and prayer is one of the great spiritual blessings granted to those in Christ. In writing to the children of God, John said, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2, verse 1. Confession of fault has a place also. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fallen Christian is not commanded to be baptized each time he or she sins because the Christian has already been added to the Lord's church, and he or she simply must repent and confess their sins, asking God, to forgive them. What about you, dear friends? If you had to stand before the judgment seat of Christ today, what would be your fate, and what would the king say to you? Would it be, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, Matthew twenty-five thirty-four, or would it be, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew twenty-five forty-one. If you are not a faithful Christian, you are in no condition to meet your Maker. It is our prayer this message will cause you to think about and to obey the gospel of Christ. Yes, dear friends, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. The Bible is right about the question of salvation. The Bible is right about the church. And the Bible is right about the requirements of the Christian life. We pause here once again and like to remind you that if you would like to continue thinking on the matters we have discussed in this broadcast and our two previous broadcasts concerning something is wrong but the Bible is right, we'd like to send you a free, uh, absolutely free if you will, a complete script of this broadcast. It will be in simple tract form, a very nice attractive track that's in blue that has a cover of the Bible on the front. And it's simply titled, Something is Wrong, But the Bible is Right. All you need to do is call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and simply say, I'd like to have the tract and leave us your name and address. That's 1-855-444-6988. And again, all we need is your name and address and just simply say, 
send me the track. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com and leave us your name and address and simply put, mail me the track. And we'll be more than happy to send it to you absolutely free. And again, every piece of study material that we offer through Are You Listening and the International Gospel Hour is absolutely free. Yes, dear friends, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. That's why we will echo the words of our Lord in John 5:39. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. For us to have the attitude of those in Berea, they were more noble or more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness of mind and searched these scriptures daily whether those things were so, Acts 17.11. Let's have the wonderful attitude that Paul instructed to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, when he said to him, to study, to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, when we study, we understand God's will for our lives, and God's word is easy for us to grasp and to understand. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, Peter told the readers there, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ye ready always to give an answer unto every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Dear friends, we cannot give the answer unless we prepare our lives and to bring forth what we can do in a study of God's Word. Romans 10.17 says, For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Dear friends, you can engage in a study of God's Word right there in your very home. And again, let us help you make that possible. Through all that we will offer you through our broadcast here of Are You Listening? Study material is absolutely free. A free Bible correspondence course awaits you. You can contact us again at internationalgospelhour.com. Leave us your name and address and request it. Or call us at 1-855-IGH-6988. I trust this study has been profitable for you. It has been for me. And we look forward to you joining us each and every time on Are You Listening? Whether our 30-minute broadcast or our 15-minute broadcast. So let's continue studying together, shall we? Thank you for joining me today on Are You Listening? I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series, by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God, we will.